Houston. Are y'all getting that? There are over 878 households in Houston. But again, all of these households, just about of the 878,000 households, all of them just about minus 7% have a computer. Now, if I were to ask the technology team tonight, how many people you all have streaming right now in the city of Houston in this moment? We're gonna do kingdom work tonight. I hope y'all came to have some family talk. Is that okay? Amen. My guess is uh, that they might tell me perhaps we got about 20, 50, 70, 30, 35. 93% of people in Houston have access to a computer. But at the time of a Faith for the Vision conference and a brand new, not edifice, but campus that was won supernaturally <laughs> with all kinds of sound wonders and miracles that followed this man of God coming in to this edifice. Do you understand that the guy at the bank who sold the property to your pastor, his name was literally called Tim Bilo. That was his last name. Do you think God is with your pastor? I said the man's name was called Bilo, Tim Bilo. Do you all understand what that really, really means? That means that there have been angelic forces since last year and before working on your behalf to get you somewhere real good, to get you somewhere real great. Is that not right? To get you in a dome, y'all. The man of God spoke it. He wanted a dome, and he got a dome, and we in it, and it's awesome. And, and I'm kind of loving the echo that's in the room and all that kind of good stuff, man. It, 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 this is an auditorium. This, this is real. We are really here. You can really touch and feel it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But Bible says when the hope is manifested, there really is no more need for faith because you're here now. So when we talk about faith for the vision, the things that y'all were standing in faith for, you're actually in it now. So what are we hoping for? That's the next round. Because if there are 93% of households out of 878,000 houses in the city of Houston that have computers, and there are 2.3 million people in this city at 8.38 at night when the average person ain't got nothing to do but lay back and figure out whether or not they're going to go to Amazon Prime, Netflix, iron the kids' clothes for school tomorrow, or any other tertiary thing, why don't we have 10% of that number? We're going to work tonight. Y'all got a good shout earlier, right? Okay. I said, so why don't we have that? Amen. And I'm going to mimic my brother. I, I love it. He did so well in Charlotte. A everybody say this out loud. Because I did not send it out. That's the reason why. I didn't send the link out. I didn't invite nobody. I sat. Come on, as a partridge sits on eggs that they didn't hatch. Come on, somebody. I sat on his vision. Mm. At a certain point, all the, woo, we love God, we love you, Pastor.
said, what a mighty man of God. Boy, you fixed my womb and I had babies and my wife and I wouldn't have had this house if it had not been for you. Man of God, I so appreciate you. I make six figures because of you. Oh, man of God, look at how the Lord has done a work on me, man. If it wasn't because of you, I'd have had an alternative lifestyle right now. I'd have been bisexual. But you, 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 you spent deliverance sessions with me in confidentiality. And now I'm a man or a woman on my way to being happily married through your WDM process. But there's nothing about that that makes me tap into the 93% of households that have computers. Now, I'm not trying to extinguish the fire, but am I doing okay tonight? Let's look at one more chart because as a partridge sits on it tonight, we talking about the heart. I got 41 good minutes. Come on, just grin and bear it if, if it's getting on your nerves. But um, if, if I look at this and I start doing some data, and y'all know I'm a stats man, PhD background, and so I love data. I love numbers. I like crunching them. So when I look at a city with 2.3 million people and I look at 93% of this city has a computer, amen. Don't worry. I'm going to preach the same message back at KCC, amen. But uh, when I look at this, y'all, fundamentally, that would mean that if we got 10% of those households every Sunday, you all would have 87,000 households streaming your services live every single Sunday. And it's like the 5,000 that were fed with, with the loaves and the fish. That's just households. Amen. The average household is 2.5 or 3 people per house. So you would have to multiply that 87,000 by three to understand the magnitude of the impact that you could be having by winning 10% of your super large city. 87,000 households streaming. The menu, minimal annual giving with people making $56,000 a year that fundamentally at least believe in tithing would mean that every person you want to this church would bring in an additional $5,600. Am I doing okay tonight? Yes. Do you think that, amen, we can buy the NRG Center with some stuff yes. like that? Do you think we could have a Christian school, a Bible school, plant all the churches he's been wanting to plant in San Antonio and every where, uh, other place and send some of you out and really get you going? And, and those of you who are called to be missionaries, fully fund your ministry and really set you up and, and make you the head and not the tail. And all of this, we get in there tomorrow night, has everything to do, amen, with you being on fire about another man's vision that God has already spoken to. Because a big part of your mission is just that, to help him fulfill his vision. That's why God sent you here. But in helping him fulfill his vision, if I just start doing the math and start saying amen pragmatically that folk tithing $5,600,000 a year, rather, $56,000 a year or $5,600 a year and me working in my assignment and doing what I'm called to do, if I start doing the math and I become so impressive to pastor, amen, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but there's a strong chance that if I'm an outstanding chief evangelistic officer, officer for the ministry, he is going to have every incentive to pull me off my job, match whatever salary I was making over there, amen, bring me into the kingdom of God because I'm a superstar and I have made his vision go so far and so fast. But does anybody want that? 
Because if you really wanted that, amen, then I'd be filling this whole row up. I would say to myself, man, that's about, you know, 30 good seats. Oh, yeah, pastor, I could fill that up by Christmas. And I'd stop sitting on the vision. Are y'all here tonight? So with 38 minutes left, amen, first lady, let's get into this thing because let's really understand in a city with 2.3 million people, we're going to slow walk this tonight, amen, that would mean 10% would be 230,000 people attending your church every single Sunday. And before you say, Pastor Rogers, that's outlandish, let's establish that there is a church open right now that has that attendance every single Sunday. Would you please show that church? There's a church <laughs> that has that attendance every single Sunday. This is Bishop Odiopo down there in, in, in Africa, and this is just his church. Now, the churches he has worldwide has six million participants. But the church he preaches at every single Sunday, Word of Faith Church, by the way, a spirit-filled church, no difference in his brand and ours. Amen. Amen. Had a man in his ministry that believed God so much that he woke up. He had an electronic arm or, or, or a replacement elbow. Woke up, that replacement elbow was outside of his body. God healed him while he was sleeping. Angel did surgery on the man. They put the pictures up on him. And so if this man can have a congregation like this and Acts 10 and 34 says God is no respecter of persons, amen, I have to reconcile what the missing link is. I have to reconcile who are we really fighting, and I have figured it out. Now, I have figured it out. I think your pastor got there before me, but I finally figured it out. We've been on fire about what God has called us to do. We've been on fire about getting people six-figure salaries. We've been on fire about getting people healed. We've been on fire about getting you your blessing. And we assume that when we did all of that, that would make you mindlessly work for our vision and it would make you mindlessly be on fire and it would make you never leave us. <laughs> we thought that. We thought, amen, psych is right. We thought when we set you up as this and as that and, and moved you into houses that house elevator chambers and, and, and your wife's womb came back together and couldn't hold a baby before, but now it does. We, we thought when we laid hands on you and called you back from the dead, we just knew you was going to go and tell everybody about who we were and that we would come to conferences like this and we would have to apologize to people and ask women to move their pocketbook and ask men to stand up on the wall because after all, we just don't have enough space and y'all bear with us because we bought the land across the street and by this time next year, we should have our big dome fully built, but we just, we just want you to know that we still love you. We hope you'll come back for the six services we have every weekend, but we don't have that testimony because people are selfish and they sit on our vision. My God. Man, Pastor, if you want me to sit down, I will. Amen. I mean it. They sit on our vision. I, I mean, I know we came to lead, dance, run, and shout. And, you know, man, I got a feeling Wednesday I might just hoop it out, boy. We might just get some runs in there and really yell and scream and change keys 10 times. Ain't no sense in doing all that right now, though, because who am I hooping to? I mean, it's nobody new to hear me hoop. You've heard all my riffs. You know what I'm going to say next. 
You know we're going to say don't wait till the battle's over shouting out. You know where we're going to go with it. We, you, you know what uh, we're going to sing to God be the glory and we're going to sweat out of our suits. But are we going to come back to another faithful division conference and look at the same old people year after year who are still, thank you for clapping, let me preach to you, who are still sitting, thank you for clapping, on our vision. So tonight, nephew, instead of just giving people a bunch of blah, blah, blah and tell them how their blessing was coming and tell them what your vision going to look like next year and calling you a multimillionaire and telling you who God going to hook you up with and how your husband going to come and how your wife going to come and how this going to come. I got tired of preaching like that, and I decided that this year we was going to get down to some truth and let you know that if you don't work on your heart, God ain't going to do another thing for you until you do something for him. Now slap your neighbor high five on that and tell them stop sitting on the vision. Now we'll see how real, real you are for Jesus. Do you really mean who you are? Do you really mean, old pastor, how I love you? Can we walk through this tonight or am I getting on your nerves? And so many of us, guys, we, 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 we miss this revelation because our heart is so tainted. We clean up on the outside, as Jesus said, but our insides stay tainted. That's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, Gina, amen, and in verse number 40, he says, foolish ones, did he who made the outside make the inside too? He compared us to a dish, and he talked about how you rinse off all of this, but on the inside, and y'all know I'm preaching this passionately, because at my own home church, y'all, in recent days, I've had to deal with people that were so clean on the outside. They were so clean and old pastor, keep preaching. Keep preaching. That's my pastor. They were so clean and their disposition and ability, but come on, we being evocative tonight, y'all. They did not do the work that I am beseeching you all to do so you don't end up where others ended up. Let him who thinks he stands take heed. Let's see, fall. I'm not being prophetic, but I do know some of you personally. And you know, Dwayne, you know you can fall. You know that can happen. You know that, Roy? You know you could be here this year, and next year people could be saying, man, remember Roy used to jump up real high? You know that's possible? If we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities of spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, amen. If it's a wrestling match, Vanessa, that means somebody's going to win. And somebody, the James, is going to lose. And this is crucial. Mama, ain't this good tonight? It's crucial to get down into this thing and really recognize what causes people to win and what causes people to lose. I mean, if I'm sitting on the man of God's vision that God has connected me to, amen, and the Bible says now unto him who's able to keep you from falling, am I still being kept from falling when I'm not doing what I should be doing? Come on, David. If I'm watching women take baths when kings are out to war and I'm not doing what I should be doing, that that means that there is a temptation somewhere along the way that I'm going to succumb to because I'm not at war the way I should be. I'm not winning people the way I should be. So if I ain't winning people the way I should be, that means the enemy has my attention. This is good teaching tonight. If I'm not doing the things I should be doing, that means I'm doing the things I should not be doing. And if I'm doing the things I should not be doing, we love it. First the blade, then the air, then the full corn. Well, the progression of sin is the same way. When sin is fully conceived, it brings forth death. 
is what James told me. And many of you in this room, you have no idea how far along you are on that path. Because if I'm not doing what God said to do, that means I'm doing what God said not to do. And even if I hadn't started fornicating yet, even if I hadn't gotten in my Colossians 3 and 5 evil desires yet to that magnitude, amen, it's just a matter of time because ultimately you're not being kept because you're not in the will and plan of God. Can we work a little bit tonight, y'all? This is so good, man. And uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 19, as we just do some good family talk tonight, the Bible says, as in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Now let's do the work of what gets you out of the will of God, what messes you up, what jacks you up. This word heart in the Hebrew is the word leb. Diamond, if you have that full definition, you can put it on the screen. But this word heart is the word leb. And this word leb has everything to do, amen, with your mind, your knowledge, but this is the parts I really like, your thinking, your reflection, and your memory. It is a drip. As a man thinketh in his heart, so goes he. Well, it starts off with the platform of your thoughts, which, by the way, is not your knower yet. It's not your heart yet. You don't believe the thought yet, but if you continue to ruminate the thought over time and you let it stay where it stands and you start believing, pastor ain't for me, pastor is this, pastor is me, pastor is heart. You start ruminating that long enough, amen, like an IV, it's a slow drip down into your knower. And that which was on the outside at first starts moving to the inside. And once it starts moving into the inside, you start getting tired of doing things that should not make you tired. Like you get tired of staying behind to sweep the floor when, in fact, you sweep the floor at your house every day and it don't bother you. But it's only sweeping floors at the church that make you tired. Oh, I just said something. It's only the work you do for the kingdom of God that makes you Tired. I mean, you do that work for your employer all the time, but because of that intravenous drip that went from your reflection, they got it on the screen, that went from your thinking, and that went from your memory, your inclination, and ultimately, look at the progression, your resolution and determination, and that's when we can't win you back anymore because you thought on it so long, and man, over time, it became how you believe. And once wicked thoughts become how you believe, the Bible says that the thought entered into Judas to betray Jesus. Once that became how he believed, ultimately there was no more winning Judas back. There wasn't enough anointing on Jesus to win him back. (laughs) Jesus didn't call the devil out of Judas. Are y'all getting this? So as the management of my heart is up to me, I want to also bring us a little bit deeper and help us understand that the management of my thoughts before they get to my heart is up to me. And that's where the real work is. Am I boring you tonight? Because, you know, you can't have faith for the vision if your heart is laced with wickedness. Remember we learned last night that uh, two things can't occupy the same space? That's the law of matter. I can't put water, amen, and gasoline in this bottle. There's only one amen solution at a time that can be filled to the brim of this bottle. Some got to go, some got to stay. 
So if I'm not thought, thinking thoughts of, of grandeur and goodness about my church to the extent that I'm willing to go and get three people before the year is up, if I'm not thinking thoughts of goodness and grandeur that I'm willing, amen, back in the summer to go down to the breakfast club and minister to people that look just like me, and I can't get three of them to church? <laughs> Y'all, come on, we're going to have some fun in the kingdom. Is this okay tonight? Why aren't they here? Somebody, come on, come on, come on. Pastor gave us the line. Everybody say it out loud. Because I, I did, not did not invite them. But why didn't I invite them? Because I, heart, desire, didn't have the want to. If Pastor Rogers can come from Charlotte, meet a man that is, amen, what do you call those guys, valet, that parked the car at the hotel, and get that man to your Bible study in two or three weeks after flying back to Charlotte, and he comes and answers an altar call, amen, in my absence, how much more can the people of God who are directly connected to this pastor in vision, how much more should we be able to win, y'all? Don't even go with 10% of the 23 million. Can we get one? Could you get 1% of your city? I mean, if I was in Hemingway, South Carolina, this would all make sense. Because Hemingway, South Carolina is a gross population of probably about 2,500 people. So a church this size would make perfect sense. A church my size would be huge down there because, you know, we would have won a good percentage of the city. But I'm in a city with 2.3 million people. And it ain't nobody in this room that don't look like the same people that we see. Somebody say, what's going on in your heart? I want you all to see this, amen, over in First uh, 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 Thessalonians 2 and 4, man of God. I, I just want to do some work on the kingdom tonight. First Thessalonians 2 and 4, the Bible says something because we got to start discerning where our heart is spiking. Those of you who are in the marriage seminar, this is going to help you. You got to discern the stuff that pushes on you. You got to discern the stuff that irritates you. You got to discern the stuff that makes you, amen, succumb to the devil. You got to discern what your Achilles heel is, and that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to put... A organic heart, spiritual heart, I should say, monitor on you tonight. I want to figure out which levels are out of whack. I'm not saying this to be distasteful. If you have diabetes by the stripes of Jesus, how many of you know you're already healed? Amen? Amen. But one of the ways that, that, they, that they test you and, and figure out what's going on, amen, is, is they test your blood for A1C. And if that level is spiking, and then they test your blood levels for glucose. And if that level is spiking, amen, they resolve that something is not right and they diagnose you with diabetes because those levels are out of whack. Same thing if you have a heart attack, amen, your heart releases all kinds of enzymes. And it releases those enzymes, is that right, nurse? It releases those enzymes and we know because of those enzymes that you just, thousands of enzymes, you had a massive heart attack. That's how we diagnose it. Everything in medicine is all about a test. 
We know you got an infection because we had you go pee in the cup and you got more white blood cells than usual. And that lets us know something's going on. Your body is fighting something. So tonight I want to teach you how to do that work yourself so you know what's going on in the backdrop of your mental health and your emotional wellness and your spiritual status so that the devil don't cook something up in you over time. And by the time you realize what was really going on, there is no therapy that can be done to relieve you of it. Are you all still here? So Jesus taught us this principle, man of God. The Bible says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, this is so good, not as pleasing men. Can we pause there? How many of y'all know we need to stop just pleasing pastor and saying words that's going to make him happy about what he thought you was going to do? Amen. We're not just going to speak as in pleasing men. You know, I love to watch him at the end of these conferences. You know, he'll lean over the podium. I'm not making fun. I want you to really get just how this plays out. All right, can you bring somebody tomorrow? Do you think somebody could use this? Anybody ever see him do that? You think it'd be real good if somebody came to church tomorrow? I don't know. Maybe you got somebody you work with. Hey, guys, can we stop letting those be innuendos and make them commands? And stop telling pastor, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're pleasing you, pastor. Not as pleasing men. I'm not going to say anything anymore that I am not interested in doing because when I say it, I'm speaking judgment on myself because I just lied. Let me figure out whether or not I'm really interested in bringing somebody to this church or am I just just selfish and want to get my own blessing. And if that's the case, let me just honestly say that so that I can be left alone to sit in a pew and enjoy myself because I just want to be a church attender. good stuff tonight. I said, this is good stuff tonight. Are you all in the room? Come on, make the devil real mad. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said, this is good stuff tonight, is it not? Why don't we just get behind all the layers, all the phoniness, all the vanity, all the fakeness. Oh, I just love you. How great thou art, the kingdom way. Wow, I learned so much since I came. Why don't we really get some faith for the vision, get all the crud out, and finally make up in our mind that we're going to do something for Jesus. We're really going to go and get this city. I wish I had some help. One to Christ in a discipleship program. All three claps. See, I know your heart hadn't gotten there yet. I no, it's hard. And it's hard because you need deliverance. You need deliverance, amen, from those tests, Pastor, that are spiking. Are y'all in here tonight? And man of God, ain't it in the Bible? But we're not going to speak as just pleasing men, but God who runs enzyme tests. God, oh, God doesn't test anybody. You didn't read your Bible. God tests your Heart. He doesn't tempt you, neither can he be tempted with evil, but he does test. Come on, Israel. I left you in the wilderness to do what? To test. Oh, yes, yes, that's in the Bible. I wonder how many people in here would really break through in their families, break through in their homes, if they would just start obeying God. I wonder how many people in here would break through in their finances if they would just start obeying God. It's coming out in my new book in the new year. I'm going to send some down here. But I asked God a question some years ago. I said to him, man of God, I said, you mean to tell me, Lord, all I got to do is obey you and I'll be blessed beyond my wildest dreams? And his answer was, you got it. And he has tested my heart with that for years now. 
And I'm happy to say, very humbly, because I got to keep passing it, but I'm happy to say up until now, y'all, I've been passing that test. Lord, I just want to honor you now. Get the revelation. Has the enemy ever tried to turn my heart, though? Because, see, this is very important that you understand this. He comes after you when you make a decision that you're going to follow God and you're going to fulfill the mandate that's on the life of the people you're connected to. Because once you fulfill the mandate that's on their life, Brother Pat, guess what God's going to do? You got it. He's going to fulfill the mandate that's on you. That's what gives birth to your destiny. We want to get into, Lord, me, my four, no more. We want to get into my blessing. Give me more. Can't wait. Woo! What a move of God. We want to get into all that kind of good stuff. But, guys, I promise you, you're going to hear it tomorrow, tomorrow night. But little taste, amen, that what you make happen for somebody else, it's just going to break you forth into what God has in store for you. But you got to get, you got to get those enzyme levels down. You got to get your glucose levels down. Are y'all still here tonight? You got to start working on all of those chemicals that's out of balance. You got to work on all of that stuff that's not, you got to change your diet plan. If you hadn't gotten a disciple yet, you got to get a regimen that says, I want a disciple. You got to start reading discipleship books. You got to start turning your soul in a direction. You got to start reading Winning the Winnable. You got to start being interested in literature that enhances. We're going to talk about that Wednesday night, who you are. You got to start being interested in the fact that if I can't cook, let me get the cookbook. Until I learn how to be, God, who you called me to be. You got to work on your want to. I've been preaching that for years. Philippians says it's Christ at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. Father, work on my will. Everybody lift your hand and say, God, work on my will. If you know, if my will is not what you want right now, work on my desire so it'll be what you want. Work on my desire, man. Can we just pray that sometime? Yo, we can ready to get out of here soon enough, but can I just show you? Can y'all put my heart monitor up there? 16, 58, 57 seconds, and y'all, I'm going to do my best to be sitting down. I want to honor this time tonight, but uh, this, this is what we need to be doing, guys. This is how we need to be seeing our life if, if they can get it going, amen? And, and, and we need to be knowing what is it that's going on in us that causes us to spike. Anybody ever been to a hospital? That's the sound. What, what causes me to spike? What gets me off track? Is that right? Now, you may not know what all these levels mean. I bet mama knows what they mean, the respiratory monitor and all that kind of good stuff. You might not know what they all mean, but I'll tell you what we can all relate to is that classic flatlining sound. <laughs> if you don't know what these mean, you do know what it means to be dead. When they come in with, clear, right? And all of that happens because these levels over time got out of whack. There was heart matters that you didn't deal with over time. I mean, what goes on when there's a warning in the service concerning your life and you just determine you're just not going to oblige it? I'm just not going to change. I mean, what kind of clock starts ticking? <laughs> what kind of movement in the spirit realm starts to go in? I don't mean to be distasteful tonight, but anytime anybody significant ever left my church any kind of way, there was always the Sunday they left with no knowledge, a prophetic message I preached. The last time somebody significant died in my church that everybody knew, I preached a lesson on a Thursday night in their last service called A Greater Revelation of Eternity. 
That was their last service. The time before last, a leader really betrayed us. I preached a message, this was about five years ago, called Lessons from the Life of Judas. That was their last Sunday. The last time somebody really, really significant uh, allowed their levels to spike and get out the plan of God, unbeknownst to me, the lesson was called, You Really Need to Change. I hope y'all getting this tonight. And I believe tonight is just as prophetic. I believe that's my assignment tonight. I don't feel bad about this lesson. I'm not struggling with it. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm strong as oak as I'm talking to you all tonight. This is an anointed lesson. You better get a hold on the monitor of your heart and start figuring out where it's spiking and why you can't obey God in three things that he tells you to do, i.e., can you bring somebody to a conference? If you can't get them to church, can you get them to a conference? We got two more nights. <laughs> I'm wondering how much it means to you. And so, Pastor, thank y'all so much. All of this, as we get ready to wrap this up, really finds its way into what I believe are the top real reasons why, amen, the heart can get away from us. And we know witchcraft gets in via offense, first things first, and that's in Holy Scripture. I mean, when Jesus told the Pharisees, you clean up on the outside and all that kind of good stuff, over in Luke 11 and 45, they said to him, they said, teacher, uh, said one of the experts in, in religious law, they said, you have insulted us and in what you just said. So the way evil gets in and takes precedent in your life, Luke 11 and 45, is you come under a spirit of offense first. Somewhere along the way, despite all the good things that have happened in your life, amen, one of those thoughts that you were ruminating on finally dripped strong enough and you started believing the lie and you got offended enough to forget all the other good things they did for you and rest and hang your hat on one thing that you should not be offended by. Are you all still in the room? So, man, and God, I was reconciling this, and I said, man, so what really does, amen, make a person, this is so good, come out of the plan of God, and what jacks up their heart? Y'all, give me a few minutes. I'm almost home. And we're not going to show this whole clip tonight. As a matter of fact, last time I showed it, YouTube, amen, took us off a little bit. But I'm just going to give you the control center of your mind. Is that okay? We might get to other portions of it later in the week. But if you all could put my little transformer video on the screen, because this is what the devil does to you every day. <laughs> Can we have some fun? This is what the enemy does with your mind every day. This is the drip. This is the plan. This is your brain activity. Y'all remember, some of us old enough, this is your brain on drugs, frying the egg. Well, this is your brain activity. This is the stuff, amen, that's going on in your brain, but better stated, in the spirit realm that is trying to turn your heart in the wrong direction and get you out of plan of God. This is going to be real short. We're not going to get to all the scenes. Can we just play this part right here, y'all? You got sound? Is that okay? All right. Will you play what is happening and how the enemy strategizes against you in your thought center and in your brain activity. Galvatron. Transforming Galvatron. Send a strong missile at Bring it to me. Fire. 
show these alien terrorists what an upgrade looks like. Galvatron and Stinger are moving to intercept targets. Reapers, five targets in the open. Good picture. Two miles to intercept. In too close to this pass. Intercept. meters. Engage. Transform. Fire. Yes. Mm. Mostly. Systems Mostly. have malfunctioned. Targeting five bogeys. Engaging rockets. Missiles away. I'm out of control now. <laughs> Woo! my preaching time. So what do y'all think? Do you see the demonic control center? And they thought they were in control until they got out of control. Because they didn't manage some stuff. And they thought they could just release Megatron, but once they released Megatron, you know the old saint said, if you let him ride, he gonna wanna... <laughs> Did he start driving his own stuff now? Is he doing it his way now? That's how our lives spiral out of control when we don't manage our heart. That's how we get out of a good church, when we don't manage our heart. Ask yourself a question. For what reason are the people who used to be here not here? Because he tried to get witchcraft off of them? What was it? What was it that drove you away? Ultimately, what is it that takes you out of a ministry like this? What is it that makes you not join a church like this? What is it that makes you not bring somebody to a church like this? If you're not gathering, one of his favorite passages on evangelism, if I'm not gathering, what am I doing? I'm, am I scattering? But why am I scattering, though? At a certain point, I really got to come to grips with the fact that I got to be under the auspices of a demonic spirit that don't want to see the move of God do what it's supposed to do. Why am I resisting what God is doing? There's got to be a moment in time when I really say to myself, my heart is gradually but surely aligning, amen, with wrong. And in a minute, Megatron going to manifest and I'm going to tear a whole bunch of stuff up. And when I look up, I'm going to be saying what I've been preaching at home in Charlotte. How did we get here? 
So what do the people do who couldn't come to church on Sunday? What's your next step? Where are you going? Y'all, this is so good. It's quiet, but it's quiet for the right reasons. So man of God, can I give three points? And I'm down to seven minutes, and I think I can do it in seven. Three points, y'all. Three points on what it is, amen, that causes your heart to get away from you so easily. And I promise you, stay with me. We're going to get into faith. I love teaching faith. But, y'all, faith will not work in an unbelieving heart. Faith will not work where there's envy and strife because where there's envy and strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And if there's every evil work and confusion, then faith can't be working. And so we wonder why certain things are happening or certain things won't happen. It's because it's not perking. Faith ain't perking. Faith for the vision. Because I don't have faith for the vision. Where is my money in my assignment? Where are my resources and who God called me to be? Where is my favor and what God told me to do? I mean, let's just have a moment. Man, God, can I just have five extra minutes? If we look at it through the right lens, think of it this way. All right, so this week, amen, I will have the pick of the litter, amen, on what I eat because I know my brother. So he's going to ask me every single day, what do you have an appetite for? You want to go here? You want to go there? You want to have this? You want to have that? Now, at a low level, let's just understand this. All of that favor, all of that goodness, you know, can I buy you a pair of boots? I'm sure he's going to say that. All of that kind of stuff, all of it comes with the fact that I am preaching at his conference. That's it which means I'm in my God-ordained assignment, which is what God is trying to get us to understand, and that is that as you do my work, everything you want, you want a new bottle of cologne from the Galleria while you're down here? Buy it. We'll ship it. (laughs) What do you want from the Lord? But Satan will keep you from figuring that out and keep you out there and not doing what he called you to do, not bringing people to this church. Man, if I was down here, I'd be bringing so many people here on a Sunday morning that I promise you what my goal would be, and it would be a motive too. I would be seeking for the kingdom of God, and I would be honest. I would tell my pastor, i say, now, man of God, listen, I want to be so resourceful to you, so dynamic in your life. I'm going to bring so many people in this church. I'm going to be irreplaceable, and I want you to at least contemplate whether or not you want me on full-time staff. Because I'm going to bring in so many tithers at $56,000 a year that you're going to want to hire me. I'm going to be your best account manager. Do y'all know that's who you are? You account managers. I'm going to win so many accounts that you're going to bonus me out. You're going to want me here. And then I'm going to stay humble when you put me on staff, and I'm going to keep winning people. And guess what? Then you're going to teach me that my calling is to be a missionary, and I'm going to be working for the church, but you're also going to be funding me going to Africa and England and all these other places that God called me to go because I've been so loyal to the vision. I've done what you told me to do. I've been honoring you. And then sometimes on an odd night, you're going to let me come home and teach a Bible study just because I'm in town, because I got favor. You'll probably help me buy my first house. If I want to, come on, young people, where the gappers at? I'm shaping my life around this ministry right now. I'm getting ready to show my pastor who I can be. Come on, somebody. Is anybody in the room? I'm going to show them what I'm made out of, man of God. I got a whole sex 
action filled out. We had a young man at our church, amen, who on one faithful day was so on fire for the vision, y'all. This is true. Uh, some years ago, do you know he was playing college football? Now, he since went awry too, but he was playing college football, and guys, he won the whole college football team to our church that Sunday. Brought like 50 young men, filled up a whole section on a Sunday morning. That's a true story. The whole UNCC football team was in my church on a Sunday morning. That's when he was on track. Are y'all getting this? Now, what would have happened if the brother just stayed? Who would he be today? Who would he be in the life of the ministry today? What opportunities do we have? Is anybody ever says to yourself, I want to be pastor's right-hand man so much that when he gets ready to fly to Charlotte, I just get to go vicariously, and while the man of God's studying and praying, man, I could just run down to the mall and trip out and chill out, and I got an expense card where I can eat whatever I want, and all I got to do is show up to church at night and carry a Bible or two and be available. Does anybody ever say that to themselves based off of who you connected to? Does anybody have that epiphany? I know First Lady, and, and, and I know First Lady Stephanie, and I, I know, man, they just, they just glad to be married. To who they married to? Do you know what that affords a lady to have? I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. I said, I think I'm right. I don't think my wife got mad for every house I moved her into. I don't think she was upset about the Mercedes that she was able to drive. And then other vehicles. I don't know if I have any help tonight. I don't know if I'm preaching the right message or not, but, you know, because I don't judge it off of hand claps, I think I'm on the right street. I'm one of the guys that do better when you don't clap, actually. Because that means you're listening. Are y'all in here? So three reasons why, man of God, we, we shut this down for tonight. But three reasons why your heart can get so away from you so easily. And uh, number one, tolerance for wrong thoughts. You tolerated it too long. And we're going to give scriptures for all three of these, y'all, and I'm going to sit down, man, that God can do, and I'm going to receive this offering. We're going to let y'all go. Tolerance for long, wrong thoughts, then I'm going to sit down. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11, this is so good. Because the sentence against evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the what? Heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Because you don't see results right away. Amen. You tolerate and put up with the thoughts that's tweaking your heart. You don't see the outcomes of bad decisions right away or better stated, bad thoughts about bad actions. And because you can't see those outcomes, amen, your heart stays fully set on evil. Is this a true statement tonight? Amen. Number two, a total misunderstanding of the default setting of the heart. Come on, we got computer people in the room. You, you, you bring computer back to its default setting. What does that mean, Brother Dwayne, when, when it's wiped out and it's down to nothing? Well, what is your default setting? We read it tonight. The heart is desperately wicked. That's the default setting. Ecclesiastes 9 and 3, please put this scripture down. This is an evil and all that is done under the sun. Ecclesiastes 9 and 3, that one thing happens to all. This is so good. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their heart while they live and after they go to the dead. Do y'all see that? The default setting of your heart is not good. 
default setting in your heart fundamentally is evil. It is contrary to the will of God. It is contrary to the things that the man of God tells us to do. It is contrary to the things, wives, that your husband asks you to do and vice versa in the right direction for husbands and wives. When your wife gives you a prophetic and godly word and sometimes we should listen to our wives, well, our heart doesn't want to go with that. Pride can kick into a man too, isn't that right? So the heart's default setting is evil. And then, man of God, last but not least, this is it for tonight. The third thing that makes you slip away, fall away from a good church, good pastor, good God, most importantly, is what I have coined the perfect storm. The perfect storm is being inundated with multiple stressors at the same time. Now, I want you to look at Mark 1 and 13, and we're going to receive a mighty offering. Now, I'm done. That's my last scripture. I want you to see this. All right, because Jesus was fighting Satan in the wilderness, was he not? But I believe that every word in scripture matters. So when Jesus told the disciples to sit down on the grass and the Bible talks about how the grass was in abundance, I believe that that's significant to the story of turning the, the, the loaves and fishes into multiplied loaves and fishes. Because I believe they saw the abundant grass. I believe that played into the storyline. I believe God gave them an image. I believe all those kinds of things were at play in that text. I don't believe there's one wasted word and properly, if you will, interpreted text. I believe that. So with that in mind, the Bible says Jesus was in the wilderness, I'm closing, for 40 days. And he was being tempted by who was he fighting first and foremost? Satan. We're not going to stretch the text. But there is something to this next line. He's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, but he was also with the wild beast. Now, let me ask y'all a question. Is this wild beast, i.e., prior to the millennial reign, when a lamb will lay down with a lion? Y'all know that scripture, Isaiah chapter 11? These ain't the same kind of wild. When the Bible says wild beast, these are real so if he's in the wilderness fighting the devil, he's also dealing with all kinds of other animals that could have the propensity to bite him, sting him, do something to him that he also had to pay attention to at the same time. Guys, this is how Satan going to knock you out if he does, and you'll remember I told you. He's going to knock you out, amen, with the multitude of winds at the same time. While one family member going through some sickness and disease and you believe in God to heal them, you're also dealing with a hard boss at work. You also got a little bit of stress going home, talking to your wife. You got some other things happening. And then, boom, on top of that, pastor got nerve to tell you, you need to bring somebody to church. <laughs> you was already fighting the devil. You was already tired. You was already weary in your thought. Amen. But he going to turn around and tell you, you got to stop having some sex. You got you to dry it up. You got to come off of this. You got to be delivered. You got to walk it through. And guys, that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. We closing. I want to pray right now. I want you to receive this. I want to pray for the whole ministry. I don't want to leave anybody out. We're not going to call everybody up. We're going to be mindful this, this clock tonight. But man of God, I, I just want to be respectful. I never want to go over much, sir. But I, I just want to say, y'all, ultimately, this is the word right here, y'all. This is where we are. 
pastor was right. He preached it in Charlotte. I think he said he did it again on Sunday. But, you know, if, if Bishop Carlton Pearson could die and those demons and devils are at least in the earth realm and there are 13, 10, 14 other men just like that that's leaving all the time, all the rebellion that's in the air. Amen. What's trying to get on you and stir you against doing the will of the Father? Who would not win a person to a ministry like this? 2.3 million people in your city. Here's my closing statement. What's your market share? <laughs> That's revelatory. I'm going to teach it at home, too. We number 15, Pastor. Yeah. Is this okay? Yeah. Yeah, what, I said, what's your market share? Do you understand we are businessmen? And when you just look at us, I mean, and that's why we just always like, ah, I can't stop. Hey, y'all, do you understand? We know the opportunity. We know, y'all, I'm not tired now. And I've been, I don't know what message this is since Sunday. I can't wait to the marriage stuff tomorrow night at six. Can't wait. I hope pastor say, hey, can we do something else? I'll do it. Whatever he want, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm his to command. He wanted me with the gappers, I'll meet with the gappers. Whatever the man of God say, I'm, I'm just all in right now, guys, because I had the epiphany that there's no earthly reason why, or I should say godly reason why, our churches are not jam-packed. You guys should need, amen, Rondi the third to preach a Saturday night service. You should need my other brothers to be preaching a Sunday afternoon service. Pastors should have to be picking which ones he going to do out of the nine y'all have because of a market share of 2.3 million people. We should have a campus. Y'all know how big your city is in North Houston, West Houston, South Houston, the Gulf of Houston, wherever it is. I love the hands in the air. God bless y'all. We should have all kinds. Man, this technology team should have a team of 120 people that got to spread out on different campuses. You all should have a security detail that is on full-time staff because you got to monitor your stuff. You should have EVPs, SVPs, VPs. You should have a call center that people got to call into. When you ask full-time employees, you all should just be the remnant of what's getting ready coming this way. Don't come telling me that there's any reason why. I mean, what's the excuse now? What holds us back now? Beautiful edifice like this. Who, who, who wouldn't be interested in coming over here? You got to work on your heart, guys. Come on, let's stand and pray, baby. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Good God Almighty. I love this kind of preaching. I do, man of God. I, I hope you all bring your charts back tonight. Tomorrow night, they'll have a few extras. Amen. We just dealt with heart tonight. One scripture we chose, because the sentence of evil work is not executed speedily, the hearts of the sons of men is fully to do evil. Because there's no evidence of what your heart is doing today yet, you'll contend with it. You keep doing it. You stay out there. You keep on keeping the wrong attitude. But over time, it's going to get you. We've seen it. I've seen him warn preachers down through the years, tell them to, to make another decision in their ministry. Don't do this. I have worn preachers down through the years. I have, personally. I have. I've told them, nah, you don't need those people. Nah, you don't need this. Now, those very ministries today, they're directly connected to Carlton Pearson's agenda. And those men have no choice <laughs> but to stay in 
or come all the way out and get real pure and it don't look like they're going to make that choice. If you don't understand the shift that's necessary now, why do you think in five years it's going to stay the way it is? It's not. If you don't change, go online and listen to it. You're going to change. Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to change. This is so good. 